Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios, with Jeff Calkins on today's show, presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas, online at redrivertoyota.com. We're back with the Gabe Kuhn Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Needed someone to understand my ups and downs. There you Jeff Calkins is columnist of the Daily Memphian, also host of the Jeff Calkins Show, 9 to 11, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. He is on X at Jeff underscore Calkins. Jeff, happy March and happy Friday to you. Happy March and happy Friday to you too, Gabe. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, we're in March. Now, do you think the Tigers will be a part of the NCAA tournament? Let me start hot and heavy like that. Three-game winning streak, two 24-point wins, win over Florida Atlantic. It all looks up right now. They look good. They just do. They do look good, and I think if the conference season started again today with them playing this way, I absolutely think they would go to the NCAA (laughs) tournament. Um, But, no, I mean, if you're being honest, if you you want to just be hopeful, you can, you know, we did a poll on it. And actually, when 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 the radio show ended, simply asking the question, do you believe they'll be in the tournament one way or another? I, I saw this poll. Uh, I loved it. I voted on it. Did you vote? Which and you voted no because you're being honest. I sure, right? I sure did. I sure did. Yeah, but and when I laughed, more than half the people had voted yes, and I think that's because people vote with their hearts, right? And because it's certainly not inconceivable. It's it's you know, it, but you you can't honestly. Um, if you're being honest, just think, say that the more likely scenario is that they'll make it just because, you know, there's a reason, I, I, you know, I, I was, I was at the tournament last year, saw him beat Houston, the delirium, the happiness. It was great, great scene. And then I was, I had, was there the last time they won the tournament, which was under Josh many, many years before. It's not easy. You know, it's just not easy. In fact, I asked the question in any conference, can you just tell me, that, that pick a team that it's more like, or the field, who's going to win, right? And and that, those are even some conferences where there's dominant teams. You might say St. Mary's, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. You might say, but is UConn more likely or not than not to win the, the tournament? I don't know. Like, you know, probably not. Just because it's hard. It's hard, even if you're the number one seed doing the tournament. There's 67 other teams, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean the, you know, I don't mean the, I don't mean the, net, I don't mean the, 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 I mean the conference tournament to win the conference tournament in order to get your bid. Okay, it's just it's hard to win that. You know, you wouldn't. 
I don't know. Like, would you pick Connecticut to win, or would you pick the field to win the, the conference tournament? Yeah, would you, pick you have to pick Purdue to win, or pick the field. You pick the field, yeah. and so, so the odds are Memphis is not going to win the conference tournament, and I think they probably need to. And so, no, I, I don't think they're going to go. If if you're asking me yes or no, which is more likely? But I mean, we talked about this yesterday. We both felt good about. The, the, the fact we, we both thought they would look good last night. And I think they even ex, ex, succeeded, exceeded that, right? I think mm-hmm. they looked really good last night. However good, good you felt Sunday about the things we saw that seemed replicable <clears throat> were in fact repeated. Um, and so I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling good about their shot. That's what I'm feeling good about. But it's still a less than 50% shot, but I'm feeling good about their shot. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, now well, I think they'll win. I think they'll, I think they'll you know, win on senior day, and then we'll see what happens after that. What, what's, what's so frustrating with this team is you almost feel like, oh, you're flip-flopping week to week. It's like facts and situation changes every week. I mean, they were 16th in efficient. They've been 16th in efficiency in the last three games in the entire country, and that was not the case just two weeks ago. It's nuts. It's nuts. And people will accuse you, oh, prisoner of the moment, that type of thing. Well, in this moment, they're playing the best basketball they've played all year. Yeah, that doesn't seem to me to be odd that one would, you know, when they were 15 and two and nationally ranked. I thought they were going to go to the tournament. (laughs) This this isn't a big, you know, when they lost to Rice and blew a 20-point lead to South Florida and then went winless on their trip to Texas, then I thought they wouldn't make the tournament. (laughs) You know, whatever. Like, this is not – yeah, of course you adapt the – you adapt your predictions to, you know, to to fit what what you're actually – your opinions hopefully change as more information comes in. <laughs> yes. And here is the other thing. It's not just random either. It's, it's not like they happen to be playing better and that, and then they, you know, they happen to be playing badly and now they happen to be playing better. They're playing better because I'm going to get the whole Malcolm Andrews thing, but one reason they're playing better is the right players are playing the right amount of time. And so therefore they're playing better. And so honestly, if, if, you know, if the, if I do believe that if these players have been playing all along this amount of, you know, this sort of rotation, um, then the prediction, previous prediction that they'd go to the NCAA tournament would have come true because I think yeah. that's a big part of it. Yeah, and I also think there's no uh... – it's not a surprise that when they're 4-0 when they have 20-plus assists, and then Penny talked about after the Charlotte game, scripting the game and putting in more offensive sets. Since that's happened, JQ, Javon Quinterly, 19 assists to four turnovers in the last three games since they've been scripting more on the offensive. And none of this is a surprise or an accident. It just isn't. Um, now, uh, let's get to the Malcolm Dandridge thing, because Mark Adams mm-hmm. was on the broadcast last night saying they're a better team without Malcolm Dandridge. Some of the fan base latches onto it. I, I think that that is uh, not telling the whole story, but sometimes nuance doesn't sell. What do you think about what Mark Adams had to say last night about Malcolm Dandridge? Well, I think, first of all, some, some people were offended that he would raise the point, right? And I, and for those people, I would say, grow up. It's, it's a totally fair point to raise. Now, he didn't say, he didn't just raise the question. He came down on one side of it, and we can yes. debate that. But, like, the idea that because Malcolm might be watching, it's rude to discuss whether they're better or worse without Malcolm, this is big-time basketball. Hell, they're getting NIL money. You don't, you know, you can ask that question, 
right? It's, it's a fair thing to ask that question as to whether they're better or worse without Malco. And I have heard both sides of the argument, and I'll sum them up as best I can. The, 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 the argument that Malco, Malco's absence, that they're better off with Malco is simply this. Did you watch Jordan Brown play last night? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and right. and and sure, Malco may not be an ideal player, but you'd rather have him playing those minutes than Jordan Brown playing those minutes. So it's silly to say they're better off without him. They're, they would. They, it's good to have him last night. And by the way, they didn't just start playing well against Florida Atlantic. They also played well against Charlotte, and Malco played in that game. Yep. So Malco. Presence does not keep uh, Napon Tomlin from playing well, and you'd rather have another big who's productive, particularly as you go into this stretch where you may have to win four games in four days. So that, to me, is the argument for it's it's silly to say they're better off without Malco. The argument for saying they're better that, that his absence has actually helped, I think, is um, sure. If Malco were only playing Jordan Brown minutes, you'd absolutely rather have Malco. But you don't trust Penny Hardaway, and 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 I saw someone. Uh, Mark tweeted that yeah, that's a Penny problem, not a not a Malco. Yeah, that's fine. But we know that it's a Penny problem, right? We know yeah. that Penny is tempted to play players. What seems like sometimes for logical stretches, for logical reasons, right? So, um, um, if I knew that Malco was going to play those limited minutes, I would certainly rather have Malco there than Jordan Brown there. But I don't. I don't trust him, and sure, Naquan Tomlin played well in that Charlotte game too. But you know what? He played even better the last two games. <laughs> you, you know, you know what? He cracked twenty the last two games, and I think, and and so I think the argument would be is that Naquan Tomlin feels liberated. Don't know this for sure, but maybe it's it would be human. This uh, Anthony Sain was making this point that it's human nature to feel more liberated and free and unleashed when the guy who's you're vying with for playing time isn't there and it's all on you. Hell, like one reason when I took the Memphis column job, I was, I was in Fort Lauderdale and, and I was offered the second columnist job to stay. Dave Hyde was the columnist there. And I said, you know what? Even though that's a great sports town, Miami's a great sports town, I kind of want my own show. So I'll feel like it's all on my shoulders and therefore I will, you almost rise to that, you know? And so I think the argument is, is that you're getting a better Tomlin without Malco and you're not, and, and, and you're certainly getting, you know, a lot of Tomlin without Malco. And so sure you might have, as long as he can avoid foul trouble, you're better off without Malco. Now I don't know how you can know the answer to that question. I, and so that's why I'm not going to pick either side because I don't really know the impact that it's had on, on, on Tomlin. Like, it, could he have had the last? Could he have had the two games? And would he have had the two games that he just had if Malco had been there? I don't know. So I, I think I think it's a perfectly fine question to ask her. To, 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 perfectly fine question to ask, but I think it's an unknowable answer. <sighs> See, I, I lean more to the fact that having Malcolm off the bench for this front court that seems kind of decimated if you have some foul trouble, I think that that would be the overwhelming positive here. Like, I, 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 I can't and just I count on that. Naquan Tomlin consistently putting out 20-5 and five or 20-10, and 10, whatever it is. 
you need someone better than Jordan Brown in the case that Nick Jordan or 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 Naquan Tomlin has foul I, trouble. I, I totally that, acknowledge I, right, that. That would right. be great. But what if it means that because of that, you're getting more Malco and you're not getting the good the Tomlin that we've seen the last two days? Would you take it if that's the trade off? <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, no, I, I don't that, know that that's yeah, the trade off. Yeah, right. But we I don't know, know if that, that is 100% the trade off. I get what you're saying, though. But I completely it might, understand. It might be the trade off. That's why I think it's unknowable. I agree. If I could have the Tomlin that I've had each of the last two games and have Malco playing 12 minutes a game, I would instead of Jordan Brown, I would 100% take that. Um, but. I don't, and the reason that I don't think it's unknowable is I don't know if the Tomlin that we've seen the last two games has anything to do or has something to do with Malco's absence. But I can I can understand the argument on the part of those who are saying, yeah, it probably does. Human nature suggests it does. Yeah. Particularly when you when you fit in, when you add that just earlier this year. Penny was saying certain players can't play well together, and everyone thought <laughs> that they were referring to Malco and Tomlin. Yep. Yep. So I, 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 Melko's a good player, and I think I think I'm more on your side of it mm-hmm. that that you'd rather have him. Um, but I do also think that it's sort of a unknowable. And here's the other thing: I don't think you're going to have him. <laughs> so yeah, no, you're not. I, so it's, I, yeah, I, I it's all for not. Yeah. So it's all, it's sort of a uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, it's not a choice. Um, he clearly would choose to have him. If Penny could choose to have him, he would have him. No question. I gotta say, the Nick Jordan announcing that he's likely to return next year—that's that's a that's a pretty positive thing. Having a little bit of continuity and a guy who seemingly is not going to—I mean, he's not uh, the the exact player that you'd pick off this roster that you'd want going into next year if you had just one choice. But at the same time, he seems like a good culture guy—a guy that does the dirty work that that will come back and can fit fit in, get in where he fits in, regardless of the the personnel around him. I liked I liked the the, the thought process behind Nick Jordan announcing he's going to return. Hundred percent, yes. Hell, anybody they're going to return. <laughs> you you want one thing we've learned is you don't want to just you know have to assemble everything brand new on the fly. So, um, and I agree. Not a perfect player, but he's been good, works hard, you know, versatile. Um, and so now I, I, I don't I don't take that as a guarantee that he actually will return. Right. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, things you change. can say things in the moment and then whatever. The roster changes. They bring in players playing your position. Someone else offers you more money. What, like, who knows? But, no, I also thought. A, I think it would be great if he does return. 100%, I agree with you completely. I also thought the fact that he felt the desire to say that, you know, the need to say that, suggests, you know, we've been asking, is this togetherness, is this, are the vibes, the good vibes real, right? I think it's further evidence that the, vibe, the good vibes are real. Here's a guy who's basically saying, yeah, I want to continue to be a part of this. And, and, and when two weeks ago it felt like just watching them, like they couldn't wait, everyone couldn't wait to get the hell out of here. So uh, and so, I think for all kinds of reasons, it was a positive that Nick Jordan said he's going to be back next year. Talking with Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins. I will say, Senior Day is always confusing these days, though. Isn't yeah, it? very, very, very confusing. Weird thing. Like uh, hell, Alo had his Senior Day, and then he didn't have a Senior Day, and then like, and yeah, with between NIL and everything else. You know, you used to always have the, the senior day stories that what people did. Uh, you know, there, there'd always be a, a senior day story in the newspaper about, and you could, you know, these, this guy's been here four years, and we've come to know him, and there he is walking out with his mom and whatever else. And now half the players have only been there for a year anyway. 
they may or may not come back. It's senior day is one of the things that has been somewhat diminished by NIL on the portal. Now, speaking of senior days, looks like Caitlin Clark's going to have her senior day. Why are people so mm. dumb about her uh, her potentially leaving or her going? She said she's going to be in the NBA draft, WNBA draft, and she'll likely be the number one overall pick to the Indiana mm-hmm. Fever. Why are people so dumb about the fact that NIL and these endorsements can transfer over to her 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 pro career? I, I find it strange that everyone seems to think they put everybody in the same box of. Uh, the the earning power at the college level is higher than than what it is in the the WNBA. I, I Darren Rovell was the big the big idiot yesterday about it. Oh, she took a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar pay cut. Why why do people have this thought process that her earning power is substantially higher in college basketball than it is in the WNBA? Well, I mean, of course, her. her but what's interesting is is that her the platform that made her great. Is college basketball sure right? It is kind of interesting. If she had, if let's just say, Kate, let, let's say Caitlin Clark had been a perfectly fine college basketball player, but had been injured, you know, whatever, right. didn't have any kind of like this career, and then she blew up in the WNBA, right? She blew up, and she was this Caitlin Clark in the WNBA. It is an interesting question to me as whether she would have ever gotten this big. Right. You know, did it, did it, I'm not saying that this doesn't answer your question, but did it require college basketball as a platform for her and as for her greatness, undeniable greatness for it to be as big as it became? I, I, that's an interesting question to me. Now, of course she is that big. And of course everything can transfer. Now there might be some Iowa specific stuff that she gets now. I don't right? think there she's that be... worried about Poncho's burritos in Iowa city right, as compared yeah, to the H and R block and Gatorade and all these yeah, other I don't ones. Know how much, I don't know how much she was getting from Iowa boosters, you know, <laughs> right. today. but I actually can imagine that she could have been getting, but now those booster might still, but like if I were a women's basketball fan at Iowa, and I thought I could contribute in the same way that I thought if, if I could contribute for David Jones to come back, right? Mm-hmm. Would I contribute some money for David Jones to be back next year? Yeah. The 50,000 bucks or whatever. Sure. So there may be some Iowa specific money like that, that she will not get. And instead, and the, the WNBA salaries are modest, but obviously she has transcended right. um, everything. You know, she has transcended Iowa. She's trans, you know, she is a, I don't know. Like she, she is a megastar. Um, I mean, is she like right now? Who are the biggest female women star? I mean, women stars in the in the, in the sport in the, in the athletics in the, in the world. Period. Oh, in the athletics. But Gabby's in the world. still massive, right? right? Gabby Douglas is still massive. I think, right? She's still massive. Yeah. Um, I think Sabrina Ionescu's pretty good. Does pretty well for herself. So there's that. Yeah, um, but not as not as big. Not not it not it not it not as big as Coco Golf does well for herself. Right. Coco Golf is pretty good. I mean, and obviously the Williamses, but we don't. Yeah, yeah they're both retired now, right? So um, they were the the Williams sisters were the were the biggest. But Caitlin Clark is is massive and transcendent, and so yes, I think everything meaningful will go with her. And uh, it's uh, was no surprise to me that she's and 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 now we can look forward to. Her against Steph next year at the All-Star game. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's fun in itself. That's fun in itself. Now, on to the 14-team playoff discussion. I know we talked about it yesterday. But the Big Ten and the SEC just keep asking for more, don't they? They get th- the, in, this, in this thought process behind the 14-team playoff, it's 3-3-2-2-1, where three automatic qualifiers would go to the Big Ten and the SEC, Big 12 and ACC get two each, and then one to the uh, group of five, three at largest. 
But now we have the Big Ten and the SEC asking for not just three automatic qualifiers, but they're asking for first-round buys. They are clearly insane—they're clearly it's, over-asking, though, Jeff. And this is my—this is this is the thought process that comes to mind for me. They're over-asking, and inevitably, when the Big Twelve and the ACC say to hell with that, I don't want to give you that. That's not equitable. They can say, oh, we tried. Now we're just going to go ahead and break off. Because they've already started sort of the the, the, the right. first the, the first iteration. They have the advisory board with Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey, the commissioners of each conference. It just feels like they're over-asking so everyone says no, and they can say, oh, yeah, we're going to do this our own. We tried, though. Maybe, we tried. We didn't, we didn't want to blow up college football. We just did it because we had to. I do think one thing I just want to stop and, 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 and pause and point out that Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What they are doing might be good for the SEC and might be good for the Big Ten, but in no, no, in no universe is it good for college football. Right. And you would think that, and of course, neither was the expansion that they, that, that, that they did when they destroyed, you know, like neither was that good for college football. And you would think, I mean, I don't know, like there would be some level at which they might think they should be stewards of the larger game, right? I mean, these are university employees. And so it's or people who work in the in the university university sector. It's kind of pathetic um, that this is happening. And you would imagine that they could, like you would you, you, that you would have enough self confidence about your conference that you would have figured had you had the the twelve team playoff the fourteen team playoff that your teams would have enough of your teams would have qualified. Why do you need to do this? Now you're deeply cynical about it, and you think it's because. They're going to just, you know, use this as an excuse to blow. Honestly, in my anger at at everything, <laughs> at everything, the way they've blown up college sports. Because however people, however angry people are about it, the NIL and the portal, I am that angry about conference realignment and the way that it has shredded traditions, shredded rivalries, worked to the to the disadvantage of college athletes, et cetera, all in the name of greed. So I actually, in my anger, thought to myself, F them. Like, okay, fine. What would happen, just theoretically, if the Big Ten and the SEC broke off and played their college football among those teams, period, and everybody else in the entire country played for a national championship? Everyone else cast themselves in and said, you know what? We'll have our own national championship. And it'll honestly be more of a national championship. Now, the problem is, of course, here's the problem. 
They wouldn't do that because the ACC and the Big 12 wouldn't then want to share with the Mountain West and they'd like right. whatever. They'd demand a 3-2-1 for them. And then furthermore, if the SEC, if they did that, if the SEC and the Big 12 and, and the Big 10 splintered off and they said, ooh, all these other guys are combining and they might actually in number because they're like, they might have, and if, if they just want to add six more schools, all those schools would instantly go. Mm-hmm. So, so I sort of loved this idea of a let them go, f them, and we'll just have the other, you know, whatever, however many is, you know, schools, including all the Big Twelve, all the ACC, every other school. But you know, the, the, it, greed will never allow. Uh, inevitably, that. inevitably, will greed always, will always, you know, chase the last dollar. Right. No one, no one is going to stand up for. You know what? Let's do what's right by college football, and we'll let those we'll let those folks go play and have their second NFL. They can call it. There's the first NFL, right. and then there's the second NFL, and then we will play college football. And um, you know, I, that was my little. As I was running today, I was thinking about God, just f them, you know. Yep. And but but they're not going to do that because in the end, money rules. They'll have the biggest TV contract, and so then if. If if you 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 go f them and uh, and all of a sudden the Big Ten and then, the then you'll SEC be... want 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 Clemson and and want North Carolina and whoever else they want Florida State those teams will immediately turn tail and they'll run off to to the to the second NFL yeah and then the Big Twelve and the ACC if they were part of the breakoff entity and they were uh, at the top of that eventually they would agreed would probably show through and you'd be saying f F them to them in five right. to ten well, that's years. The thing. They, they would say in our, <laughs> right. in our playoff, in our real college football playoff. We deserve more. We need We're three, the best get, conferences. And we're the best conference, and so we need all the you money. You know what right, I miss? Exactly. You know what I miss, Jeff? Deciding who the best conference was based on playing out-of-conference games and on the field. That's what I miss. In this situation, yeah. they're just saying, yeah, we're the best conferences. Yeah, we, we can't be messed with. Even if you beat us in the out-of-conference, we, we still have more hold over the p- playoff than you. We have more hold as far as being a national champion than you. I, I, why can't I, I We used wonder. to be able to decide these things yeah. when we watched football, when we watched these teams play right. each other, when we crossed over and we played out-of-conference matchups. And now it's just, you know, Big Ten and SEC are best. Live with it. I, I do wonder if... I mean, your theory that they want to break off, I, I do think they like the cover of pretending that they're part of a larger enterprise. You know what I mean? Both for legal antitrust reasons, um, but also just, you know, it, it, it has the, a, a broader appeal if you can at least pretend that, sure, we say we're the best conference, but everybody, you know, is playing. We're all playing in the same in the same place. And so I'm not sure that the SEC and the Big 12 really want to just break off and 10. play amongst them. So Big Ten, yeah, really want to just break off and play amongst themselves. I think there are real disadvantages to that. Um, so if you could get everything you wanted inside the current system with the current system sort of acting as cover for your greed, I think that might be preferable to the SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah, but they, they do this. They They try to act like they have the best interest in college football, uh, in their heart, but in the end of the day, we know what it is. I can read through these things. Right. They just want more preferential treatment, and they want more money. Uh, and if they can't get that, they have the leverage to say, hey, well, screw you guys. Right. We, we right. don't need you. We don't need that's, you. Why, that's why I think everyone will ultimately buckle. They'll, yep. they'll buckle, and they'll get what they want. Yep. And it's it's sort of pathetic. 
Yep, I hear you. Well, Jeff, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Have a good weekend. That's Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins on X from the Jeff Calkins Show, 9 to 11, 92.9 FM ESPN, and also from the Daily Memphian. Go follow all of his work, dailymemphian.com. He is a columnist there. Now, Oxbow, family-owned and operated retail store that has been in East Memphis, and it's been making waves in Memphis for over a decade at this point. You are going to love when you show up to 964 June Road, off Poplar on June Road behind the Amico Station. It's a two-story storefront, friend friendly, kind, courteous staff that will meet you and show you in the direction of whatever you need. And what do they have? They have just about everything. They have vintage tees. They have um, everything for your favorite sports team. Uh, they have Tigers, Grizzlies, Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, you name it, they have it. They have it in the best brands as well. Genteel, Free Fly, Fair Harbor, Duckhead, Mizzen, and Maine. You can also go check out uh, their selection for hunting and outdoor essentials for you adventurous souls. They have sports memorabilia for the diehard fans. They have vintage vinyl for the music lovers. They have just about anything you could possibly want and great gift ideas as well. Um, if you have a uh, someone in your life who really loves tailgating in the fall, getting get to the Grove, getting to Tiger Lane, going to Alabama, whatever it is they have cups koozies coolers tumblers that uh that everyone seems to love when they get out and tailgate so get over to 964 june road off poplar on june road behind the amico station when you go and tell them gabe sent you and give uh give a-list celebrity earl the dog a pat on the head for me and then if you don't want to go in store i know people like doing uh online shopping go to shopboxbo.com uh they carry just about everything they do in store on uh, online at shopoxbo.com. And when you go to checkout, when you fill up that, that shopping cart with whatever your heart desires, there's going to be a spot where you can put in a promo code. And in that promo code spot, put The Gabe Show, all caps, no spaces, The Gabe Show, and you'll get 20% off your online order at shopoxbo.com. But whether you're going online or going to 964 June Road, remember to shop local, shop Oxbow. Now we have some... Uh, Pretty interesting discussions to be had here about the 14-team playoff. I know we sort of previewed it with Jeff, but I want to give you my thoughts on the other side. 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Is there a point Discussion and reporting on the 14-team playoff, the college football playoff committee. It keeps coming out hot and heavy. We've already talked about it. The idea here is 3-3-2-2-1, three automatic qualifiers each to the Big Ten and the SEC, two automatic qualifiers to the Big 12 and the ACC, one automatic qualifier to the group of five, highest group of five champion, and then three at-larges. Now we're hearing from Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports. He was first to it that the Big Ten and the SEC not only want three automatic qualifiers and potential for those three at-larges, they want for two of their automatic qualifiers first-round buys. And when we continue down this path, we do have to understand, and I think everybody understands at this moment, when we talk about the future of college football, the Big Ten and the SEC hold a lot of leverage. Uh, Not only do they have the best players, they have the best TV packages, they have the most money, and in the end of the day, they know that anybody outside of the Big Ten and the SEC, if given the chance to join the Big Ten and the SEC, they'd hop in in a second. We've seen it, and it is continuing to show. Whether they're taking even less money, we saw that with some of the teams from the Pac-12, like Oregon and Washington, they will do that as long as they have a chance to be a part of the party. So, it's very clear the Big Ten and the SEC understand their leverage. And what I have noticed, based on three automatic qualifiers each and two first-round buys for each, they're clearly over-asking. 
They're over-asking. They're using their leverage to get more out of the situation than seemingly they should be owed. And I understand it. I guess if I was in that situation and I was greedy, I'd probably do the same thing. I don't like to think of myself as a greedy person. I want to uphold the sanctity that we've always seen of college football. So maybe I would be a little different if you, uh, if you, if I, me and my current state, I probably would not ask for those things. But the Big Ten and the SEC are doing that right now. And what it shows to me is that there is this clear over-asking, uh, over-playing your cards, knowing the leverage you have with the advisory panel that they've put together already between Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey, both the commissioners of both conferences. This is clear. If they don't get their way and they feel as if it's not equitable for them, which I can't imagine the Big 12 and the ACC are sitting there as the other power conferences thinking this is equitable in any way, shape, or form. They have one less automatic qualifier and they have no access to a first-round buy. They're saying, give us this. Because if you don't give us this, we can poach your best teams and we can break off. And then in the end of the day, if they don't get what they want, they can have the cover of saying, well, we wanted to try to make it work. We tried, but you didn't want to meet us halfway. You didn't want to meet us on our demands. It's very clear to me what they're doing. They're using leverage to their advantage. I know that in business that's a good idea, but with college football and the state of college football in general, it's very frustrating. I miss the days where we would go into a season with the Power Five, being the Pac-12, I know it's turning into dust, but we'd go in in the Power Five, and we'd decide on the field and out of conference, in bowl games and everything else, who was the best conference, who showed out the best. In this current you know, uh, scenario, if we move to a 14-team playoff under these conditions, we are immediately saying off the top of the season, as soon as the season starts, Yep, Big Ten and SEC are completely over top of everybody else. ACC, Big 12, you teams, you can't catch up. You can't catch up. You're already at a disadvantage. So it's frustrating to me, but I feel as if I know that they're using their leverage and all the leverage they have to basically say on the back end, if it doesn't work out, hey, we tried. We tried to help you out. We tried to uphold what college football has always been. Yeah, it feels like before the show started, we were talking about it, and we both compared it to – it kind of feels like Game of Thronesy and Succession-y, you know? Like, it, it's one of those moves which, on the surface, isn't necessarily aggressive or malicious, but when you kind of look underneath, you're like, oh, oh, there's some danger here. And yes. if they don't get what they want, they have the power. They do. They have the power to disrupt these other conferences. We've talked about it a few weeks ago. It came out that... The SEC kind of has a kill switch on, and the ESPN ESPN. has a kill switch on the ACC, which is just, that's leverage that you cannot help but think is going to go into this discussion because at the end of the day, it's a ridiculous ask. It's a ridiculous ask, but I'm not sure the other other conferences have the leverage right now to say no. Yeah, they they don't, but inevitably it feels like they might have to it's not equitable it's not smart and it doesn't it, it does not accomplish what we've always loved about college football deciding no, things on it's the, the opposite field. yeah um now also moving off of that because we're going to get more reporting on that i guarantee it um ross dellinger also from yahoo sports he reported that the college football uh, landscape is going to be different as far as on-field changes. Um, a couple of things that make sense. There's three changes in particular he highlighted. A couple of things that make sense. Helmet communication. One player on offense, one player on defense. Quarterback, middle linebacker, likely to have a, a radio of some sort in their, in their helmet so they can make 
uh, play calls on the field, just like they do in the NFL. That is long overdue. They also are going to allow tablets and uh, sideline uh, on the sideline and at halftime so you can see what you just did on the field and you can make corrections live during the game. Now, the third one I find quite interesting. Two-minute warning. They're talking about implementing a two-minute warning at the end of the second half and the end of the game to try to stop the game. Now, it's kind of funny to me with the overtime rules that they've done, uh, with the running clock, even if you go out of bounds except for the last two minutes of the half, they have tried to hide behind this guys of saying, oh, yeah, we want the game to be quicker. We want to move the game along quicker. But now they want to implement a two-minute warning to slow down the game, to give their corporate sponsors more commercial time. Bingo. I find it Bingo. very strange that you, 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 you do one thing, you make these changes for this year in college football, uh, saying, oh, yeah, we want these games to be, be expedited, to move along quicker. And then just the next year, you're finding a way to slow down the game. I really hate how... The dollar continues to disrupt. <laughs> well, it's, it's what it it's is. Just, it, it's the day and age of where we are in sports, but it is unfortunate. I mean, you heard Jeff went on a, a bit of a, a justified rant there because it does feel like all of the pageantry and the things that we like about college football and the positive changes that we want to see made to these games simply aren't happening because, oh, well, we can find an extra 60 seconds for ad spots right there and money, and it's like... There's just nothing you can do about it, and it yep. really stinks because, like you said, all they've been talking about, we want to speed up the game. We need to make it more watchable for the fans at home. We want to make it a better product, and then so you're going to add commercials to it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we stop doing normal overtime rules, and we do dueling two-point conversions, which I think is one of the stupidest rules in sports. That's not real football. You don't actually get the actual the, – the better team does not win in dueling two-point conversions. Why does football have the dumbest overtime rules yeah, in all of sports? Know. Just it's, play another damn quarter. Just hard. Just do a normal it's really play not football. That hard. When the clock runs out, whoever scored wins. But it's, then you have that. Me crazy. You have that. You have – no uh, stop clock on out of bounds, and now you add a two minute warning to make the game long. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous at some point, and you just have to call a spade a spade. It's for money, and it is what it is. Um, now on to the NFL. We're going to cover the NFL Combine, uh, you know, at length coming up on Monday because we'll have most of the workouts out of the way, all the measurements out of the way. Uh, I think we did have a four two nine today. Um, is a uh, is a cornerback or a defensive back from Clemson. Well, we'll cover more of that. It looks like he popped his hammy, though, uh, while he was running it. Now, in the NFL right now, there's a couple of interesting things that have happened and transpired today. We have a couple of pretty substantial releases, two DBs. One, Kevin Byard, who got traded to the Eagles last year from the Titans, he's been released by the Eagles. And it's going to create $13 million in cap savings for the Eagles, who need to try to retain this roster in any way they can, and they need to try to pay their guys. I understand it. Um, But Kevin Byard on the open market, I'd imagine he'd have some takers. Also, J.C. Jackson, who was traded to the Pats after leaving the Pats and free agency to go to the Chargers, um, he's been released by the Pats. $14 million in cap savings. So those are two guys this offseason going to be free agents that I think a lot of teams are going to look at pretty hard, and they may get a decent contract coming up. Also, you saw this earlier in the week, Connor, and I have been hesitant to talk about it because I find it very interesting. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson for the Jets. He has been given permission to seek a trade, and as of today, the reporting I am seeing is that there are no takers. 
This is my shocked face. Look at my face. This is my shocked face. Of course, there's no taker. Zach Wilson has been really bad. He was a number two overall pick. Um, He's been almost a distraction for the Jets in a lot of ways because of his bad play. I can't imagine there'd be takers. Um, I guess there may be some sucker out there that will take him in for, uh, you know, fall camp or or maybe they'll trade for him, but you're not going to get, if you're the, if you're the, uh, the Jets, you're not going to get much in a trade. I mean, I don't think you'll get anything. You're probably just going to have to release him and let somebody else pick him up. But Zach Wilson, permission to seek a trade? Who the hell in their right mind would give up anything of value for Zach Wilson at this point? It always was a stupid story. And then I saw the report today, and it was the least shocking thing I saw. You know when he came to request it, they were like, okay. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good luck. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, we tried we- to trade your ass many times. Nobody's going to answer that phone call. I mean, could they even get a seventh-round pick out of him? Could they? I don't think so. We, we're going on three to four years here of nothing. Stinks. Of being bad. Stinks. And then Sauce Gardner came up to his, came to his defense and his, uh, on the report that no one was interested in, in, in trading for Zach Wilson. He said, he just needs time and he needs a good coach. He's great. And he can do things with his legs. Well, I haven't seen any so of that. So another three years? Like, come on, man. Come on. At some point, you just have to admit that the number two overall pick way back when is never going to amount to anything as a starter in this league. The headspace isn't right. The play on the field isn't right. Can't get through his progressions. (laughs) Maybe he can be a backup or a third string for somebody. I even doubt that because we saw him as a backup and it didn't work out for a very talented Jets team. Just bizarre. Seek a trade. Usually when you talk about people that are seeking trades, they can be a starter somewhere or at least be a help to somebody. Zach Wilson can't be a help to anybody in this league. There's one thing I need Zach Wilson to remember. Fear is the mind killer. (laughs) We're going to get to that in a second. But uh, as Zach Wilson, I talked about Derrick Henry the other day, may need a new house. Zach Wilson, if he gets traded or if he gets released, may need to find a new house, and he may need to sell his home. Um, And I want to let you know there's more than one way to sell your home. I know a lot of people go out and go through a realtor, and you try to sell your home that way. But there is the FSBO process that you can look into. FSBO, what does that mean? For sale by owner. Look into community FSBO. They give you the tools to make yourself your own boss when it comes to selling your home. And they have three separate packages that you can take advantage of, and it's the next-gen FSBO process. You pick your package, and they handle everything from there. Uh, Professional photography, interactive 3D walkthrough, uh, floor plans, room measurements, And of course, they handle the listing for you. Then you can field offers and you're on your way. And people will ask, you know, what is the big draw to doing uh, for sale by owner, to, to selling your house by yourself, seemingly? And it's money savings. The money savings that you can get through Community FISBO are unreal. Using a 2,000-square-foot home selling for $350,000 at a 3% realtor listing fee of $10,500, using one of their packages, you can save up to 9800 bucks off that listing fee. So if you're looking to sell your home, look into Community FISBO. It's an unreal next-gen process that you are sure to latch on to. Check them out at communityfisbo.com. That's community, F-S-B-O. Dot com or call them at 901-660-FISBO. That's 901-660-3726. Now the time has come. Dune 2. Dune 2 comes out tonight. And Connor will be there at 720. And it's a sequel to a really good movie in Dune Part 1. So what we're going to do next, in honor of Dune 2 coming out, we're going to get to our top five sequels of all time in Small Talk. 
right here on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Day from 4 till 7 p.m. Except right now, it's time for Big Man Small Talk on 92.9's Gabe Coon Show. And Small Talk is brought to you by Conway Services, reputable service available seven days a week. Now, Dune Part 2 is out. And Connor will be there at 720. So I thought it was a good time. We were going to go sci-fi potentially, but we're going to go sequels because I think we should expect a whole lot out of Dune Part 2. Dune Part 1 was really the setup for what is going to be, in my opinion, uh, just sort of looking at it and looking at the early reviews. It's going to be action-packed. Uh, Dune Part 2. So we'll see what it's going to look like. The IMDb reviews are still pretty phenomenal right there. Um, they sort of debuted with the top rating ever on IMDb. Has it gone down yet, by the way? No, it's still the highest still rated there. movie ever. Still there. Still Same there. Nine four. So again, I think I am uh, expecting uh, expecting a text at about 10 o'clock from, from uh, Connor just raving and ranting about this, this movie that he's going to see tonight, doing part two. And uh, let's go ahead and get to our top five sequels, though. Top five sequels. Connor, I want you to start. I want you, you want to, me start to start. Okay. Yeah, we'll go five and we'll count down we're, from there. We, get, we have some parameters that we have to make very clear for this list. One, it is our personal favorite yes. sequels of all time. Now, because it is Dune Part 2, we specifically stuck to the second movie in any franchise. So you're not going to get any sequels like uh, Return of the King, for instance, is not going to be included in this list because it is the third movie in a franchise. It's technically a sequel, but we are going for the second movie. My number five is a is a recent one. It's a recent sequel that we got actually last year across the Spider-Verse. It absolutely blew me away in theaters. I thought it was phenomenal from start to finish. It's one of the most beautifully animated movies I have ever seen. I was a bit disappointed it didn't get nominated for Best Picture. I thought it had a really shot. I'm very excited to see how they land the plane in the third one. If they do land the plane in the third one, I think it will be considered one of the best trilogies ever made. If you haven't seen Across the Spider-Verse, it's actually currently out right now on Netflix. Highly recommend going to see it. It's my personal favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. No notes. That's my number five. Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> Let's go, gang. So there we Let's go. go. Uh, first, off to, a, off to a great start. Now, I don't think you're going to match. Maybe one will match. Maybe number one will match. But I don't think from the from 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 four to two, I don't think will match. Go with your number. <laughs> Probably not. My number uh, my number four, this is it was it was tough because when you go back and you look at sequels, it, it's some of the best movies we have ever gotten. And I think that this is actually considered the best action movie ever made, and I'm not sure I can argue against it. T two. T Terminator okay. two, Judgment Day, absolutely has to be on my top five list. It's iconic. It looks like it came out this year. I just rewatched these films a few a few months ago, and it looks like it came out in the year of our Lord, 2024. The CG and what James Cameron was able to do in that movie is phenomenal. And unfortunately, the themes of T2 might be coming to fruition here in the in the in, in the in the future. So hopefully, we can. Uh, Keep the AI down a little bit. Now, you go Terminator. I'm going to go Toy Story 2, baby. Hell yeah. Give me Toy Story 2. It came out in 1999, <laughs> and we know this was this was Woody getting stolen, and they had to, the, the adventure to go get him back and get all these things squared away. Phenomenal. I have to go with Toy Story 2. That's, it was a big part of my childhood. Heartwarming film. I love that pick, Gabe Coon. My number three is The Dark Knight. It's oh, The Dark really? Knight. Heath Ledger, Batman, Christopher Nolan. It came out in 2008 along with Iron Man, kick-started the comic book era in which I think that we are starting to kind of move away from. But to this day, it's it's not just one of the best comic book movies ever made, if not the best one. It's just one of the best movies ever made, period, with a truly iconic performance that will outlive all of us in Heath Ledger's Joker. I got Godfather 2 as my number three. And and here's, I'm going to ask you this. is it, It's better than one, right? Like It, it is like, better yes. than one. Um I'll go ahead and spoil it. That is my number one. The Godfather okay. Part Two is right. my is my number one. 
on on my list. I think it is better than than part one. However, I I enjoy part one a little bit more, specifically because you get Don Corleone and his performance yes. from Marlon Brando in that movie. But two is. You are watching the descent of Michael Corleone into hell is what you are seeing in The Godfather Part 2. It is truly dark when you watch it. It's one of the greatest on-screen performances I think that we have ever gotten. It's an absolute tragedy. Tragedy Mm -hmm. that he did not win Best Actor for that performance. To this day, pound for pound, might be the best on-screen performance we've ever gotten. Give me number two. My number two is The Empire Strikes Back. It had to be The Empire Strikes Back. I've never been a Star Wars guy. I'm sorry to say. No, that's okay. Hey, hey, it's not everybody's bag. It's not everybody's bag. But Empire Strikes Back is my number two. Um, Dune, Dune Part 2 is being compared to The Empire Strikes Back in many ways. So that makes me very excited to go see... Uh, Dune tonight, so I can't wait. I mean, everybody, I, there's not much more I can say about The Empire Strikes Back. Everybody's seen it. One of the best movies ever made. Truly one of the best sequels ever made. I think that the the magic of The Empire Strikes Back is that it feels like its own film. Even the way that it ends, it doesn't feel necessarily like a cliffhanger. Like, it is a cliffhanger because, you know, he gets frozen and everything, and people are like, oh my god, is he dead? And The Empire ends up winning and all that stuff, but it feels like its own movie. It tells a full story and it ends at a great conclusion, so Empire Strikes Back is my number two. Okay, this is not my favorite Harry Potter movie, but I have to go ahead and throw it in because it's the second one. Give me Chamber of Secrets by Harry Potter. Harry Potter series. I had to throw Harry Potter. I mean, there's so many okay. sequels, and I, I it was part of my childhood. Everyone showed up to the to the, the theater. It was a shared experience by a lot of oh, people. Oh, absolutely. So there, there was that. Now, you already said that you had Godfather Part 2 as your number one. My number one is your number three, Dark Knight. Heck yeah. I throw Dark Knight. Love it. Heath Ledger, the performance man, the story behind it. Um, it was phenomenal. There's just no other way to put it. The Joker, uh, one of the best uh, uh, villainous characters we've ever seen in the history of, of cinema ever. Um, so I have to give Dark Knight its, its, its flowers. I'm surprised you had it at three, to be honest with you. It's, I, the, the other two are just unabashedly some of my favorite movies of all time. They helped introduce me to movies and why I fell in love with them. Real quick, we have a few moments left. I'm going to pop off some honorable mentions real quick. Spider-Man 2, of course, has to be included. Twin Towers, Lord of the Rings, Twin Towers. Aliens, oh, so good. And then Top Gun, Maverick. Okay, now we're going to pass you off to the Grizzlies after we talk with Frank Bonner, but I do have to give you a couple of uh, notes here on the Grizzlies. G.G. Jackson will be active. And then also on the Jaron Jackson Jr. front, he will not play tonight, but Taylor Jenkins has reported and told told the press, uh, told the media, that it looks like he'll be out for a couple of games. Uh, the, the, the quad tendon situation that he is dealing with has crept up on him, and he is very sore. So it looks like maybe he won't play at all. Uh, tonight or tomorrow. So we we shall see. But we'll pass you off to Grizzlies pregame at 6.30. And then, of course, the tip will be at 7 against the Trailblazers. But coming up next, before we do that, Frank Bonner. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.